Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Tom Abraham here welcoming you to this inaugural episode of Believe in Bass Fishing. This is a show for fishermen by fishermen, and we will highlight the greatest professional fishermen in the world and cover professional fishing as we pass along many of the tips and tricks of the trade from the pros. Now, the Bassmaster Classic is the Super Bowl of bass fishing as 52 anglers qualify to fish for $1 million in prize money with $300,000 going to the winner. This past March was the 50th Classic and was held on Lake Gunnersville in Alabama with the weigh-in and outdoor expo taking place in Birmingham. And with the COVID-19 pandemic looming just before the national shutdown of all events, over 125,000 people showed up at the Classic to take in all of the events. Hank Cherry got it done for the win, riding a huge day one catch of 29 pounds to win the three-day event. I spoke with Hank right after his win. Hank, 29 pounds on day one? Have you ever done anything like that before? I, I've never come close, I think, to 29 pounds. I think until that time, at a little lake here in North Carolina, Baden Lake, I think I weighed uh, right at 27 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely my biggest. I did not see it coming. Uh, I cannot express how happy that I am that it did come on that day at that particular time on that stage. And uh, it definitely gave me the boost uh, to be able to ride that bag to the end. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, day two got started a little bit slow for you, and I started getting a little bit nervous. Um, you were in a little secret spot that nobody's ever fished before, except for a million people. Uh, <laughs> that, 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 that riprap wall uh, all the way down through Browns Creek there, which was uh, was really something to see. Um, but did it, it – you know, we, we talked about – I talked about this on live, about, you know, there's those 30-pound bags out there, but there's also those 7-pound bags out there. Um, you got that slow start going actually both day two and day three. Did you feel confident, though, that as the day wore on that the bites would start coming, or does it start creeping into your head a little bit saying, hey, what's going on here? It wasn't really creeping into my head. I, I knew – I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't have a thought or two, but – I knew in the in in my head. I knew from day one. I was like, look, it takes a little bit longer in the day. It's got to warm up. Cold nights. It's got to warm up. And just knowing the history of that causeway and just the history of fishing Lake Gunnersville and knowing what's swimming around there and knowing what has to come through that gap to go to the back to the spawning bays, I knew I was around the fish and that throughout the day I was going to get some bites. Mm. So just had that confidence uh, in that area. And did guys and people leave you alone? I mean, it is it is a community hole, if you will, but the whole lake's a community hole. I mean, you know, there, there's so many spots that are like that uh, on Gunnersville. But did the competitors and even did you see many people from other tournaments that might have been going on over the weekend uh, fishing your, your water? You know, not really, most people were really respected. I mean, I was pretty uh... – I was pretty surprised at um, how uh, if they did fish the causeway while I was around, they didn't fish it while I could see them. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a couple competitors the last day, which kind of surprised me. Um, but once again, like I said, you know, it's a it's a it's a free lake. They could go where they want. I don't, I'm not exactly sure with the uh, lead that I have. If I was in another position, that I would have even showed up. But. Um, you're not going to hear me complain or be sour grapes about it or hold a grudge. Um, the locals were supportive. They watched me fish. Uh, I guess late in the day on Sunday, um, some of them said they just, I guess they figured they just had enough and they started fishing, but I guess they knew 
what was going on on the score tracker, which I had no idea. Um, but it never really, it never really altered my approach. You know, I, I kind of zoned everything out and just ch- kept trying to catch the next one. Hank Cherry with us talking about his wire-to-wire win in the 50th Bassmaster Classic. Not just any Bassmaster Classic. I mean, it'll always be known that you won the 50th Bassmaster Classic, which uh, also carries a certain amount of juice with it uh, as well. Um, everybody knows that you are an athlete. You look at you. You look at one of the most fittest guys that you know that is out there. Uh, you take care of yourself. Um, but you know it's different. Thirty, you know, thirty-six is different than forty-six, and 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 you know you've been banged up a little bit. You've had some injuries. Talk about what happened on on day one with your with your right arm because it looked like your right elbow it looked a little bit painful watching you trying to cast when you did cast with your right arm uh, on day two and three. Um, it was. I just had a little slip uh, on the back deck when I was trying to go down to to land a fish. I'm not exactly sure throughout the moment. I've tried to go back and rethink it how exactly happened but I, the best I can think is when I slipped I kind of maybe hyperextended my elbow a little bit um, and the pain was kind of like somebody cut me with scissors every time I would bend my arm wow. back and forth um, so like I said I went to the doctor yesterday he said he didn't think there was any structural damage he gave me two shots one in the front side lower elbow one on the top side back Um he said that that should take care of what's ailing right now. And at the end of the year, I'll come back in. We'll MRI it. If there's anything that needs to be cleaned up, he's confident that we can take care of it then. Yeah. Uh, you did most of your damage on day one with that jackhammer chatterbait. And, uh, man, so many guys were throwing the chatterbait. It doesn't seem to be something – some people will say that the fish have kind of conditioned themselves to the Alabama rig or some other types of presentations that are out there. But this chatterbait thing has been going on for like 10 years now. And uh, a lot of guys were throwing it, and, and you were very, very effective with it on day one. Talk about how you worked it and uh, and, and and what color you were using as well. Well, I, was, I had it on a little grass flat um, about halfway back in Brown. So it was probably you know, it was within eyesight of the causeway. Um, and what was specific to that area was there was no eelgrass. It was very short, uh, bright green hydrilla. Um, had some stumps mixed in, a couple of hard spots mixed in, but I was basically just throwing it, uh, with the wind as far as I could. I put the wind on my back, my power pulls down, which were a huge key. And I was just trying to hit the higher spots, hit the higher hydrilla within the place. And it was basically bogged down, and when I would pull it free, most of the time they would just be there. Mm. Um, the two big ones that I caught on back-to-back cast, they happened to be around a uh, some some type of tree that had drifted into the grass flat and hung up. And I threw it to the right-hand side of the tree. I'll never forget this. I threw the right-hand side of the tree as soon as it hit the water, and I cranked the handle once. The rod loaded from my hand, and I knew it was a big one. Yeah. I got that one in, I put it in, I stood back up, checked one out, I just pitched it over to the left-hand side of the tree, and I cranked one time, and it loaded up again, there was another big one. So that, that kind of set the tone for the day. 
It's an amazing story. And I know you are a very strong, uh, faithful guy. You know, when something like that happens, and, and, I, and I reminisce about you know Randy Howell's win there, uh, not too far from where you were. But when something like that happens, a tree blows into a grass flat, and you're catching you know seven pounders out of it. it. It almost feels like it's a God thing, doesn't it? I mean, it's like it's bigger than you. You don't know what happened, why this happened, but it it, it, it just happened. And uh, yeah, you almost got to kind of chalk it up to something that's a, a greater power than us. Well, you you have to. You have all kinds of thoughts go in your mind. I, I tell you what's a funny story about that tree. My marshal, after I finally caught those two off of it, he was like ecstatic. He was like, I was wondering when you were ever going to throw at that tree. Well, I'd just been making my route on my lines of where I thought the highest percentage area was, and then I kind of went outside to go to that tree. I never threw at that tree in practice. Like I said, this spot, if you back up a little bit, only thing I had, I caught one little male there the Wednesday official day of practice, and I had one other fish bite my rattle trap that I thought was a big one. Mm. Now, had the wind not be blowing the way it was, I'd probably go in there throwing a rattle trap and maybe don't even catch those fish. Right. But with the way the situation was, with the um, chatterbait, you could throw it, and I could keep my rod down lower. I don't have to worry about pumping it to keep it clean, and I could crawl it through the hydrilla. So it was really... You, you call it whatever you want. I just call it blessed. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, you, you also did uh, damage throughout the, the weekend on your uh, Hank Cherry Signature Series jig from Picasso, Green Pumpkin deal there, and on that uh, Mega Bass uh, 110 uh, jerkbait as well. And uh, it, it, just talk about changing the, the hooks up on that because that's a subtle thing. That's a pro's move. But, uh, you know, what that meant, why you changed the hooks on that Mega Bass jerkbait, uh, which you caught your biggest fish on on, on Sunday. Well, I changed the hooks on the bait because I really, really wanted to increase the sink rate of the bait. Um, I was using my panoptics, my going panoptics, going up and down the causeway, paying attention to the gizzard shad balls and paying attention to the fish. And the fish weren't sitting in like five, six foot of water suspended. They were down there around that eight foot. When they were out in 12, 15, I couldn't get them to bite. But when I started seeing them around eight foot, I could catch them. And when I throw that bait out, I reel it down. And when I... I go into a motion jerk and they kill it, and I'll kind of have an upward motion, and it sends that transfer chamber of the ball to the back, which will make that bait fall tail first. Well, as it's falling tail first, the extra way of the hooks is going bound fast. It's not going bound like you drop a rock in the water, but it's still it's going by quicker than probably anything they've seen. Mm-hmm. But the key to that is, is it's falling. When I think I've paused it long enough, when I go to start jerking it again, it kind of rips back up into the same spot it left. And I think that was critical to getting the bites. Um, finally, in our last minute, uh, off to Chickamauga, not a great start for you at uh, St. John's. And now it's all about the points and so on. Um, Tennessee River Lake, two lakes up from, uh, you know, from Gunnersville. Do you think there's anything you take from Gunnersville to Chick in a couple of weeks? Yes and no. The weather's going to be a lot different. I think there's a, a, a warming mm-hmm. um, trend coming up there. So those fish should be pushing it far, but I still think that uh, I'll be able to catch a few on a jerk bend outside the grass lines. Just have to check out the water clarity in the stage. Because we just came off a full moon, too, and I'm pretty sure that brought a lot of fish out of the river channel. But Chickamauga is a great lake, and comparing to uh, Gunnersville, it's probably got bigger fish. So um, I like uh, I like what I'm heading into. I like the place that I'm at right now with my fishing. When the Classic kind of takes a, a little... Uh, 
Well, it takes a lot of staying off the first turn of the year. Yeah, yeah I would think. <laughs> um, but I didn't have a bad one. I was kind of middle of the pack, but it's not what I wanted. But I'm just looking forward to the year and keeping this momentum and just driving on. That's newly minted Bassmaster Classic champ Hank Cherry. Up next is Florida Elite Series pro Jesse Tecarante, who is also the founder and owner of Enigma Fishing, makers of high-quality rods and reels and selling directly to the public at a huge discount. I spoke to Jesse during the suspension of the Elite season due to the pandemic. Jesse, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing fantastic, buddy, as well as can be not being able to fish. Well, let's say not being able to. The leaks are on delay, man. Let's say not being able to competitively fish, but uh, I, I saw some pictures from earlier this week when you were out at Kissimmee, and it seems like you were whacking them pretty good. I don't think these fish know anything about this coronavirus stuff. No, no they don't. Yeah, we. i tell you what, we've been out there um, three times in two and a half weeks, and we broke 28 pounds and as high as 33 pounds every time. Wow. So, five fish. Yeah, it's been it's been the post-spawn bite in Florida is always better than the spring. It always has been, it always will be, and it'll just keep getting better and better until uh, May rolls around. By the end of May, these it'll be on fire. Yeah. Like over 30 pounds every tournament. If you don't if you don't have 28, 29, don't bother weighing in. Well, isn't part of so, that because the Florida fish are so reactive to fronts and weather that comes in and so on and once the weather stabilizes, you can really dial in dial them in. Yeah, it really does. It has a lot to do with that, but it also has a lot to do with the brim. So, yeah. you know, the brim here will spawn all the way up until the end of June and into the middle of July. So those big fish will be anywhere there's brim bedding. So basically where they bedded, you go find those brim beds and then fish just out in front of them. And generally you can pop you some pretty big ones, you know, on the grass line. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It makes me wonder why we don't have, you know, maybe an Elite Series event sometime in uh, April or May in Florida. You know, it's, they always start down there, it seems like, in February, and it could be hit or miss. But, uh, you know, I, I wonder what a May event or a late April event would look like, you know, down that way. A lot more weight. If you know, April's not even the good month. May and June, when it gets so hot, you can't breathe without inhaling a bunch of uh, gnats. Mm. That's when you want to be on the water. And it's still calm, still no wind. I mean, just so hot you can't stand stand in the front of your boat. And that's when the big girls will bite. Yeah, you know, I've had buddies. Uh, Matt, a couple of years back, had two a two day tournament with eighty seven pounds for five fish each day. Man. So he had, he broke forty something pounds every single day. Yeah, just, and that was a late May tournament. You know, Jesse Tecarante with us here. Um, before we go any further, let's talk a little bit about uh, your friend Aaron Martins. Of course, uh, everybody knows that Aaron was right there at the beginning with Enigma. He helped you design those uh, those beautiful rods and uh, and carried that uh, that nameplate on his jersey for a number of years and on his boat. And of course, a rough time. Uh, had brain surgery a couple of weeks ago. Had it again later uh, earlier this week. On Wednesday, everything it seems like coming from his wife is that it was successful and went well. But uh, um, you know, someday hopefully Aaron would be a hundred percent, and we can joke about you know some of his goofy behaviors from earlier in his career, maybe being associated to those brain tumors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's doing fine, yeah. uh, recovering. You know, the hardest part about this for anybody right now, whether it be Aaron or anybody who has family in the hospitals, you can't go see them, you can't yeah. hold their hand, you can't be with them, and uh, that's a big part of it. You know, but Aaron will recover. He's in great shape. The guy is uh, absolutely fantastic shape. And, uh, I mean, cancer doesn't care if you're fat or skinny. I know. I understand that. But, yeah. you know, I think he, being in that kind of shape, if they were able to remove the lesions as they think they've got, you know, everything, a little chemo and some radiation or whatever, is going to hardly phase him physically yeah. because he is pretty 
you know, he's not like the average guy that's almost 50. He's a pretty darn good shape guy. So God willing and uh, God bless their whole family, you know, but he'll come out of that uh, hopefully better. He'll come out the other side better than he went in. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's no doubt about that, and uh, a lot of people pulling for him as well. Beautiful piece on Bassmaster.com earlier this week too, um, you know, uh, chronicling his career with uh, with Bass. All right, um, speaking of careers with Bass, this is going to be weird now. We don't have exact dates yet at this particular point in time, at least as of this recording. But we know that um, the only way the Elite Series is going to get completed this year, and it will get completed this year, is there going to be a bunch of fall tournaments. This is going to be different. This is going to be exciting, but just talk about mentally, you know, the concept that there's a possibility we'll have three or four tournaments in the fall when we, uh, when we've never had elite series events in the past. Yeah. I just did a podcast actually the other night. We were talking about that. And I said, this is the first time in the history of uh, the elites, you, you know, top one fifties, whatever they, you know, we've all been to uh, from the past to, to now that there's going to be guys out there, you know, as late as December and, you know, we have on our tour, we have, uh, you know, substantial amount of young guns that are exceptionally well at sight fishing and bed fishing. And, uh, you know, but nobody knows who the hammers are in the fall. Right. And if you can name a lake, Tom, just name one lake. I'll give you a free rod and reel. You name one lake that's got outstanding fishing in September. Um, well, I'd have to go up north, Cayuga. You know, I mean, but, yeah, you'd have to go up north. I mean, we're the- not even Cayuga. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that's even good. Yeah. You know, September traditionally, you know, you have the turnover, St. Clair, you know, disappear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you know, you could be fishing the east side of the lake, and the, and the water's good and nice there, and all of a sudden you get this huge west wind that blows all that nasty dead water across the lake and kills your fish. Right. You know, the fishing, not the fish, and change. So. You know, unfortunately, and I'll say that, unfortunately, I've fished a lot of tournaments in September. They're always like championships, always wind up in September or early October, and they make it really tough. I mean, you know, 12 pounds on Kissimmee. I won with Cody, my son, uh, the ABA championship on the lake. We had 26 pounds or something for two days. Yeah. And uh, we won it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm just talking about 30-pound stringers, and I'm telling you it's taking 26 for 10 fish for two days on the same chain because that time of the year, it's just so tough on everybody. So you're going to see a lot of new shining stars, faces, people that, you know, hey, man, this is where he excels. I, you know, I, I just think it's going to be nice for the fans, and it's going to give everybody something else to talk about and go, wow, this kid or this guy here – uh, you know, he's a better fall fisherman. And I just think it's going to separate the men and the boys. That's, well, that's just, that's, you know, part of it. I really do believe that. Well, plus we could get all the way into, I mean, we're not just talking about September. I mean, we're talking about late October into November, maybe even December. Um, that's what's going to be yeah, amazing but, to see those those fisheries and how they perform places like Eufaula and, and Chick and places that, that we miss. Santee Cooper, late, late in the year like that is going to be really interesting too because, a lot, look, a lot of these guys are in a tree stand by then. You know what I mean? I mean, let's, be, let's be honest. There ain't going to be no hunting this year, buddy. <laughs> be hunting the big one, big girls. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Jesse Tecarante uh, uh, joining us here, talking a little bit about the way this has gone. It's just just a, a bizarre thing. What have you been doing other than fishing? I mean, uh, you know, talk to me about what's going on with Enigma Fishing. Have you guys been uh, testing new rods and reels out there on those 30-pound stringers at uh, at Coho, uh, Toho and, and Kissimmee? What are you guys working on uh, during this time? Well, I'm working on keeping inventory. That's the thing yeah. I'm working on. Uh, you know, I mean, we're out completely out of the new Valkyries that we introduced. Uh, earlier this year, we're uh, out of 
on all the EPON reels. They'll be here, God willing, in three to four weeks to replenish the stock there. We got, you know, a pile of them coming in. Um, you know, this COVID-19 thing, you know, hit China and it slowed all that down. They're barely getting back up. And now they're talking about slowing stuff back down. And, you know, you talk about the states here. My understanding is that there are ships sitting outside in quarantine right now, like in Port of L.A. and uh, Port of Miami, Port of Jacksonville, all the major ports. And uh, all our stuff has to come from the East Coast, obviously. It comes on the ships over there rather than coming through the Panama Canal and all that nonsense. So, I mean, there's ships sitting there. So I told, you know, Cody Hayson, we're going to have to air freight this in, just put on a plane. Yeah, Planes have no passengers now, so they'll take them really happy, you know, get them here overnight uh, or two days anyway, and then clear customs. But it, that's what I'm working on. I mean, I've got a couple of new reels that we've been working on for about a year and a half. And, uh, you know, you use our EPONs. Uh, I think and I feel that that's probably the best $99 real on the market. I also feel that it's probably undervalued, the most undervalued real on the market because it shouldn't be, you know, $70 more, $80 more on a retail level, close to $200. Yeah. And it casts a mile. It's trouble-free lifetime warranty. So we work, I've been working on this particular reel for like a year and a half or so now. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, I was out earlier this week with my son and I had given him uh, some gear of mine back when uh, I switched over to, to Enigma, I had given him some gear from a former uh, Rod and Reel sponsor of mine, and I, and I don't want to name names. I'm just going to say that it's a $240, $250 reel. And so we, we were we were getting into the smallmouth pretty good, and there was a little bit of a topwater bite going on, and I, I, I tossed him a uh, um, you know an Epon with an Epon reel on it, Epon Rod and Reel on it, and, and he put it in his hand, and he's like, oh, my God, why don't you let me fish with this stuff i mean this is this is the good stuff and the other combo that that he had been using was a 400 hundred dollar rod and reel combo this rod and reel combo would have been under 200 dollars. and immediately he could just tell from the feel in his hand and the reaction to the rod and everything else that this was better gear and uh, again the, it, the pricing is deceptive it has to do with the way you guys distribute stuff yeah, it's all about the distribution. And thanks for the compliment. And by the way, you made our Facebook, by the way, our Nick. Oh, did I? Yeah. Faces out there. Good. With that, that beautiful picture, that big smallmouth. Um, the, um, the whole deal is distribution, right? So we are customer direct. We do not deal with retail, period. We've turned down every big retailer out there, literally turned them down. And, uh, you know, I'm not in the business of putting anybody down. That's not what we do. But, you know, I'm telling you that there's, you know, minimum 60, 70% yeah. inflated prices on all fishing gear. All of it. doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a chatterbait or whether it's a reel or a rod, and sometimes higher, you know. And um, so there's, there's, uh, there's a lot to be said about giving somebody a fair deal and dealing direct, right? So yeah. you're not dealing. You're dealing with the manufacturer. You're not dealing with the, the, the distributor who has to make money and then he sells it to the you know, retailer who they have to make money. You're going right to me. All right. And, uh, you know, and, and you have a lifetime warranty. And, and, know, and by the way, owner, lifetime warranty on all our products, which is Whether crazy. It's a $60 yeah, I mean, reel or $120 reel. Our new one's going to be one twenty nine ninety nine. So it doesn't really matter what reel it is. You have a hundred percent lifetime guarantee on that reel. 
Yeah, you man. can't beat that. I don't think any other tackle manufacturer has that in our industry. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And and by the way, this is a true story when he says about uh, the retailers because I used to have a shop back in the day in the eighties and nineties. I had a place called the Fishing Hole um, where we sold gear, and I had been considering opening a new store uh, where I live in Southern Tennessee. I was considering an open a place. And you remember back when you and I first started the Enigma sponsorship deal with Bassmaster Radio, I said to you, hey, if I open a shop, can I sell some uh, Epon Rod and Reels in my shop? You said no. And you're my sponsor. And you said, no, no, I sell those direct. You can't put them in your store. And uh, so you're, you're, you're very vigilant about that. Yeah, no, I don't want that. I want yeah. the customer to be able to get the best deal, the best bang for the buck. And it's not a sales pitch. No. It is what it is. You know, you live in Tennessee. We sponsor 1,600-plus kids in Tennessee. How many kids can go afford to buy a two or three or $400 rod right. and reel combo or just a $300 rod and a $200 reel? How are their parents going to stock the boat Right. with four or five rods for a kid to get them fishing, you know? That's what Aaron's – that's where his heart was. He's like, we got to make this stuff affordable. He came from Mega Bass, super high-end, super expensive, super – and it's great quality stuff. It's just super, super expensive. So he says, kids can't afford this stuff. Right. So kids come to me all the time and say, I love to fish your gear, but my dad can't afford it, you know? So that was part of our goal right from the gate with Enigma is to make fishing fun and affordable. That's what it should be. And I got to tell you, man, you know, yesterday uh, on the way home and uh, earlier in the week on the way home, we saw tons of people fishing all the little ponds up and down the highways in Florida. They all got fish, whether it be brim, catfish, bass, they all got something in them. And uh, it was just neat to see, you know, like grandma and grandpa with a couple of grandkids or actually the kids, grandma and grandpa and their kids and their in-laws or whatever. I mean, fishing has completely gone off the freaking chart in Florida right from the bank. Yeah. Not even a boat. It's awesome to see this time together because that's the way it was when I was a kid. That was Florida pro Jesse Tecarante. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Believe in Bass Fishing. And until next time, keep those lines tight and nets heavy. I'm Tom Abraham, and this is the Believe in Bass Fishing podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.